Well, welcome everybody to episode 24 of the Blow Off Valve podcast. This week we've got uh, an F1 race in Austria, one of two. There's going to be an, the Austrian GPs next weekend. This weekend it was the Styrian Grand Prix. And uh, we're also going to cover a couple of news items, uh, particularly a new uh, Ferrari and a crazy expensive uh, R34 GTR. But first the race. So we were in uh, the Styrian Hills of Austria this weekend for the Styrian Grand Prix at the Red Bull Ring. So it was Red Bull Racing's home race, essentially. And there were some interesting times, not so much in qualifying, but Valtteri Bottas in <laughs> free practice two yeah. had an incident where after a tire change, uh, he spun in the pits. He basically lost traction, spun right in front of the McLaren garage and ended up being penalized three grid positions because of it. And I guess the explanation he gave to the FIA about what happened was Mercedes had been losing time kind of getting away from the pits. And so he was trying to, they were trying something different where they would start in second gear instead of a higher gear. And I guess hmm. that second gear start he had more wheel spin than he expected and uh, couldn't put the power down and, and spun it. So uh, Yeah, it's unfortunate. I mean, you know, it's, I guess at the end of the day, it's just an accident, but you could see mm -hmm. how that could really go, you know, south. Um, yeah, that's, the, that was the reason for the penalty is, you know, it's, one, it's, it's one thing to, for an accident, like you said, but yeah, when you're, you're trying something, yeah, that, you know, if he had lost more control of the car and hit the pit wall or gone into the McLaren garage and like, Not you could have right. seriously hurt, you know, some of the mechanics and, and staff and pit crew down there. So it's one of those things that probably would just be better saved for an experiment on your own, like private tracks. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, I agree. So, so yeah, it's a, it was, you know, I guess unfortunate that that happened, but, uh, you mm -hmm. know, he ended up in pretty good shape i i think when you look at the the finish of the race so. right yeah so out, coming out of qualifying max Verstappen was in first uh lewis hamilton in second lando had a really good qualifying session started in third max's red bull teammate sergio perez was fourth valtteri botas was fifth going down to eighth with that grid penalty and then pierre gasly charles Leclerc, and fernando alonso uh kind of rounding out the top eight there and um moving Moving on to the race, you know, we talked about the last couple races, you know, from really Monaco, uh, Baku, and then in France, like those were, it was just like, bam, 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 yeah. like, fun race, fun race, fun race, you know, back to back to back. <laughs> and this was kind of, not every race can be that exciting. And this is for yeah. me an example of that. I found myself like fast forwarding a little bit because <laughs> we watched yeah. it, I watched it on demand. Yeah, no, I I agree. I mean, it's it. What a difference a year makes, though, right? I mean, because we're kind of oh, like God. in the same yeah. position, but except for Mercedes out front, it's mm -hmm. you know Red Bull and Honda, right? And you know, I I don't know. It, it really just must come down to to some extent these high power tracks, you know, where they can get out and just let it rip, mm -hmm. and um, you know, it's an open course for the most part. There's not lots of like you know, you're not in a city trying to right. navigate streets and things. Yeah. That uh, And so once, you know, you've got a half second difference or, you know, a quarter of a second difference, then you multiply that over 71 whatever laps. it is. Mm -hmm. Yeah, 71 laps. 
Yeah. It's... It just gets to be, there basically gets to be a difference that unless there's a safety car or something, like you can't really catch up. I mean, right. I do remember, you know, Lewis being on the radio and they said something to him like, you know, like a so, nine second uh, gap or something like nine that. Nine second gap. And he was basically like, Okay, what do you want me to do about that? Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, he basically said, can't go any faster. Yeah, he he basically said, "So what are we going to do?" And <laughs> so the, the like race engineer, <laughs> yeah, his race engineer was basically like, "We're going, we're basically going to have to settle for second. I forget exactly how he said it, but yeah. he's like, "There's nothing to do, you know. Just, you're not uh, gonna, focus on tire management. <laughs> yeah, you're not going to do anything." Um, there was uh, at the beginning of the race, there were a little bit of shenanigans. Uh, yeah. Charles Leclerc um, <laughs> ended up causing a puncture for Pierre Gasly, which unfortunately went resulted on to like in a... three other people. <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah, so Gasly gets a puncture from contact with Leclerc. Leclerc also cut in front of um, Kimi Raikkonen and clipped a part of Raikkonen's front wing. Yeah. Yeah. It took the wing, part of the wing. Gasly off. essentially was <laughs> driving on, you know, he's driving on three wheels at this point and it looked like his suspension was broken. Um, yeah. on that left rear as well. So you could see on the replay, he's basically got the steering wheel turned about maybe 25, 30 degrees to the left just to keep going yeah. straight. And he ends up uh, <laughs> spinning one of the Haases. And yeah. uh, it was just kind of a, or not, it wasn't the Haas. It was um, Antonio Giovinazzi in the Alfa Romeo. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But No, I think it, you like, they said on the announcers said they were, you know, basically like, he's just trying to get out of the way and unfortunately right. he, 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 yeah. Him, so. yeah so Gasly retired because of that unfortunately George Russell had been running in I think 7th or 8th oh, yeah, Williams right. and was doing yeah. really really well um, really keeping up with the mid pack quite well he had never scored as great a driver as he is he's never scored a point for Williams in his time there um, the Williams has not scored a point in the last few seasons as far as I can remember but it was really unfortunate because he ended up having power plant uh failure and so, yeah, so he retired, his yeah. power unit fails so he had to retire which was just gutting for him and the team and prior to that retirement uh he had had a really bad pit stop when he pitted he was seventh and when he came out he was like 12th or something like that and sergio perez also had a bad pit stop that kind of yeah that's true it, yeah it did go like four or five seconds or something like that and that ended up that ended up mattering quite a bit because did, while Verstappen and Lewis were out kind of just off on their own, um, Botas and Perez were in a really good race because Botas uh, was on a one-stop strategy. He went from softs to the hard compound and was riding the hard compounds out the rest of the race. Sergio, Red Bull did a two-stop strategy with him, put on some intermediate compound tires with, I think, like, 15 laps to go yeah something like and, that and basically said haul ass and try and yeah. catch valtteri and he almost did and he he got within about a that like seven hundredths of a second yeah. and if his pit stop had been what they typically do in terms of like a two 2.1 second pit stop they would have easily gotten past valtteri yeah. yeah so that's a really good point i hadn't really you know, thought back to that. Obviously, there's a lot of events that occur over a race that sum up mm -hmm. to what you end up with. But, you know, those two seconds would have been pretty valuable Huge. at the end there when their difference was uh, like less than a second as yeah. I'm staring at it right now. 
Yeah, it was about yeah. seven hundredths of a second. Oh. Yeah, so it was close. And honestly, if if there had been one more lap in the race with DRS, Sergio probably would have passed him. Yeah, it I think was, you're it right. Was that close. It was interesting. Also, in the beginning, man, Lando just drew, drove the pants off of that thing. Yeah, you know? yeah, he did he really, kept, really well. He kept God. That guy is something else. I mean, he kept. Uh, you know, Sergio and Bottas kind of at bay for quite a while. And then yeah. and basically I think was just, they just said, you know, we're going to run our own strategy, going to try to, you know, maximize our points here. Mm-hmm. And we're not going to fight these guys for the rest of the race because we, but I'll right. tell you what, the first like four or five laps, it sure looked like he could. Yeah, no, I mean, that's yeah. why Valtteri ended up so far behind his teammate Lewis, even though they were second and third is, Lando held up everybody behind him, you know, for <laughs> yeah. quite a while, really gave a fight. And so he started in third, finished in fifth, which I think is the best that McLaren can probably do. It's not realistically going to compete with the Red Bull or the Mercedes, on yeah. assuming no one's having issues mechanically that day. And the the head scratcher to me, and I think he was having power unit issues, was Daniel Ricciardo in the other McLaren. He, Poor guy. He, you know, it was weird. So he was in, he had gotten up to sixth, I think. He was right behind Lando. And then I saw him kind of over the next few laps, he dropped like six or seven spots. Yeah. And then the radio message came in that he was having power unit issues and was yeah, down on power. One point said like, oh my God, my power. And then yeah. he starts getting passed by like two or three people in a straight. So it didn't... So- didn't make any sense you know? yes so his race engineer came on and said we you know we think we fixed it we think yeah. you know we figure out what was wrong but then the same thing kind of happened i saw him kind of creep back up into the top 10 into the points and then kind of go back down and he ended up finishing 13th so you know and, and then, having persistent issues yeah and i guess i didn't watch all the, the practice but i think he was doing pretty well in practice too so it kind of came as a surprise yeah i think it was just a <clears throat> for whatever reason multiple teams were having power unit issues today and that's you know maybe it was the heat a lot of- maybe it was the altitude yeah. but it doesn't make a lot of sense that you know lando was out there just crushing it right. supposedly the same cars you you know but I yeah know. i know it's Poor yeah guy. i, so I know his his bad luck continues you know and i i just kind of wonder where that's going to end up for him I, I really hope to see him turn around by the end of the season because a season like that mm-hmm. um you know and you just get this momentum going where you're not growing you're not moving forward you're just second guessing like everything you're doing the car Mm-hmm. It's it's really tough to actually break out of that mindset, and so I worry a little bit uh, yeah. about him. I know I I don't I think he has a pretty good attitude, but having such an yeah. up and down season has got to be you know mentally challenging to anybody. So yeah, um, hopefully he does well, and you know the next you know in the Austrian Grand Prix because like you said he had been doing pretty well up until until yeah. uh, he started having power unit issues. So. The Ferraris yeah. did well, six the and Ferrari, seven. Yeah, the Ferraris did really well, which was a bit surprising to me, I think, because there were questions about their power unit in terms of the big tracks, right? Like, they had done well in the city circuits in Monaco. Yeah, exactly, and, yeah. And so, but the real question was, you know, are they going to be able to compete 
when we get out to the big high high speed high downforce tr- you know traditional f1 tracks and and they did you know they did really well um yeah and yeah, so i think finished. that that bodes well for you know if they can keep finishing like this exactly. yes they're behind lando but as a team as the two of them they're gaining really good points yeah whereas exactly. daniel is finishing the point, outside yeah. the points so exactly so that's a going to be a big issue for them Mm-hmm. You know, you you would almost look at this and think <laughs> one of the thoughts that went through my mind today watching this is, you know, Red Bull really seems kind of dominant out there right now, especially compared to the Mercedes. It, it feels like the roles have reversed, but yeah, I just don't know that you can really read into it a whole lot beyond the season with all the d- drastic changes that are going to happen in 2022. Right. Um, like, is my assumption based on what I've been reading is that Honda's out. Yeah, basically. Honda's out after the season, so they're they're going to be looking for a new engine manufacturer for the 2022 car with all the regulation changes and everything. Yeah. So that seems like a hell of a lot of things to juggle, and when you're making those kind of dramatic changes, that something's not going to end up well sorted by the time the season starts and so i'm i kind of think you know for red bull they really should enjoy this Mm -hmm. you know i really hope max can get a a, maybe a championship out of this just because he's a a driver with capabilities that would be deserving of it but i i wonder what their 22 season is going to be like i mean it could be amazing and they just nail it Mm-hmm. right on the head or it could be trying to piece things together like we, we got a new car we got a new power plant all these variables you know and it's something that it mm-hmm. seems like mercedes could probably very efficiently navigate you know right yeah be right I think, back up at the top yeah I, I think it's a real you know next season's gonna be a real open season but it is fun seeing you know, Mercedes dominance challenge. They made the comment on the broadcast that this is the first time since 2014 that Mercedes yeah, has nuts. gone more than four races without winning. Like that's and enough. It's real. I mean, it shows how dominant, dominant they have been, but it also shows you, you know, Red Bull, they're just gaining confidence. They're thinking, you know, we can beat them on city courses. We can beat yeah. them on traditional F1 tracks. Like we're going to compete against them everywhere. Because honestly, last year in 2020, when they did the steering Grand Prix, mm-hmm. as soon as Mercedes got out there, it was they were gone. It was over. Hamilton, yeah. Bottas is like super boring race, mm-hmm. you know, because uh, well, there's no hope. <laughs> that's what's impressive is, you know, they went from the final, the final finishing times are a bit off because Hamilton pitted on the 70th lap to get soft tires right. on to try and get fastest lap. But if you extrapolate what he had been trailing by, last year, Hamilton won the race by, I think, 14 or 15 seconds. This oh. year, Max, if Lewis hadn't pitted, would have still won by, like, 15, 14, 15 seconds. So you're talking about a 30-second swing in pace yeah. in a year. Like, that's extremely – I mean, and that's a that's a millennium in F1. Yeah. Time. I mean, it's crazy. You know, it's interesting. I, I don't really know the backstory on this or how they were affected by it, but it did seem like 
some regulations changed, and Lewis was alluding to that in an interview that, Mm -hmm. you know, he's kind of hinting to the extent that he could without saying it. Like, it seems like that targeted us, and so we had to make a couple of modifications. And um, so it struck me when that comment came out that whatever those regulations were, were kind of like regulations that hit Ferrari, Mm -hmm. you know? Maybe they were doing something a little bit different, mm-hmm. and the FIA were like, "Yeah, we're not, we're not doing that anymore." <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. So I thought that was interesting, though. Yeah, I, I think it 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 bodes well for an interesting rest of the season. I think there's gonna be some real battles. So yeah. Uh, so we're back at the Red Bull Ring next week for the Austrian Grand Prix, and we'll see. You know, if Mercedes can make any adjustments or. If it's going to be kind of a Red Bull repeat, uh, yeah. it should be, you know, should be an, an interesting race in the game of things. Hopefully there'll be a, a, a little bit more drama uh, than this fast race, but yeah. we shall see. But we also wanted to get to some, there were a couple really big news items this week and we wanted to make sure we had time for them. So the first is that Ferrari's new middle market uh, car coming into essentially a place kind of the F8 Tributo debuted, and it's called the Ferrari 296 GTB. And this is going to be an 818 horsepower hybrid V6. So, you know, this will be the first V6 engine they put in a Ferrari badge road car. You know, the Dino was uh, was a, a six-cylinder car, but it wasn't badge no, yeah. Ferrari. It was badge as a Dino. The unique thing about this is, you know, this is not the first hybrid platform they've had in, in one of their cars but it is only powering the rear axle. So it's going to have a rear rear wheel drive character. Mm. And they've made a lot about the exhaust is going to sound really good yeah. and, and all that, because that obviously is a big question. But, you know, I think, I think it looks, they've kind of gone away from the super aggressive kind yeah. of angular yeah. look. And I think it looks really good. Um, I'm a, I'm a fan of, of how it looks. It actually looks kind of similar to the SF90 Stradale, kind of a smaller version of it. Yeah, um, I agree. I'm a big fan of the look as well. Um, but I think they just feels like they kind of exhausted, you know, the yeah. aggressive look, like how right. do you go even further with that? And so it's honestly, for me, kind of refreshing that it got dialed back a little bit. Yeah. I think it, you know, I think it's going to look, it, it looks really good obviously it's going to have a ton of performance a couple things bother me a little bit about it i think this is kind of this is a for me is a real touchstone moment in where the car industry is going because you've got ferrari who are yeah known for v8s and v12 engines and this is their not quite their mass market car but it's it's kind of their mass market mid-engine sports car that's going to be replacing the the F8 and it's now a V6. And it's also, yeah. they're also getting more expensive. Um, these used to I be the cars. Yeah. These used to be cars that people could, they were aspirational certainly, but they weren't the crazy hypercar money, but this is starting at $321,000. If you know, Ferrari, just like Porsche, like once you start putting options on, yeah, you're done. You know, this you're is going to add twenty thousand dollars. Yeah, <laughs> so 10, 20 percent in options. <laughs> you're talking. You're talking really big money for what is supposed to be kind of their 
one of their volume seller type cars. Again, it's heavy. It's, it is high, you know, the hybridization is, you know, it does add weight and it's not really adding. It's mainly there for, for kind of torque fill and extra power. You can only do like 15 miles on electric only on it. So it's not really yeah, there for, I think what it's, yeah, <laughs> I think, I think the idea is you can get in and out of a city center on full electric. Yeah, that's true. So maybe you can avoid a, a, a pollution tax or a congestion tax or whatever uh, the EU, various EU countries have planned for their, how they're going to tax the internal combustion engine. But, you know, I'm not sure that I'm actually that excited about it, which is weird to say about a new, a new Ferrari, you know? Yeah, no, I, I agree. I mean, the combination of the change in engine, the question of how is that going to sound compared mm-hmm. to their historical cars is a big question mark. I know there's a lot of kind of reassurance, like, you know, it sounds good. It sounds like a mini V12. Mm-hmm. And right. that's fair. I guess you just have to hear it to decide for yourself. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, the the cost thing is, yeah, it's, it's kind of disappointing from this. I mean, I'm not in line to get one of those or something, but mm-hmm. it's kind of just disappointing, as you said. It really becomes um, not really like a an aspirational car that you could, I'm trying to how to phrase this, but that you could work for or something. Uh, right. It's more uh, you need to either come from money or have made an ungodly amount of money to yeah. whatever that is, you know, making a crazy app that... Right. Yeah. Whatever. Who knows? Who, what no, who that, you know, that's but... kind of what I was trying to get at is, is you're, I think at this price point, you're getting outside of a successful white collar job, like physician, lawyer, et cetera. You're, you're, Maybe I think like unless you're, owner. Yeah, like I mean, unless you're, a, yeah, unless you're a lawyer that own, that founds their own law firm and are, you know, you're getting into very, very yeah. successful business owner kind of money on yeah. these. And you so get paid in stock options. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I think you're, you're coming into a situation. These cars are getting to the point yeah. that you're, you're not really going to have people. Most people are, they're not going to be aspirational from the standpoint of like, well, if I work hard and I do well in law school or I do well in med school or I, you know, do well with my small, you know, independent construction company. Maybe I can like, do you know, get one of these one day, like a $400,000 car is that was, you know, that was hyper car money. Not too, not, you know, 10, yeah. 15 years ago. And yeah, now it's, it's now like you need to be able to come up with something like, uh, I'm going to spoof digital currencies and accidentally become a billionaire and then I can accidentally afford one of these. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's kind of like what it's become as opposed to maybe like a true car enthusiast who, you know, Mm -hmm. works their way towards achieving it. So, but, you know, that's kind of true in many ways of a number of different things in our our lives and and kind of the way our civilization is structured at this point. Um, Yeah. And so I think from that standpoint, it's a little bit disappointing as like a car enthusiast because it, it almost seems like it it becomes like a lifestyle thing it's mm-hmm. not 
it's not a car for like car people. It's um, people who want to demonstrate, you know, their, their wealth. wealth or their power. And yeah. uh, it has really nothing to do. Like they don't even care about the car. They couldn't tell you anything about its stats yeah. or any of that. It's just, uh, well, you know, this is like the, uh, you know, purse that I get and wear. Um, right. Because it's very expensive. This is the car. It's the same serves yeah. the same purpose. It's yeah, it's the car that's gonna be driven slowly down Rodeo Drive and Beverly Hills <laughs> and and it is it does become just kind of another accoutrement of Basically. to show you to show your wealth. It's not because yeah, I mean let's be real about it. Like I don't think too many enthusiasts are gonna just be really excited to pay four hundred grand for a twin turbo V six. No, you know, I mean, I know you there's can have precedent. that experience in many, many different brands that yeah. are equally probably just as fun and engaging. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know there's precedent for it, like the new Ford GT is <clears throat> a twin turbo V6, but that was also widely panned. A lot of people were like, why yeah. put it? Because at a certain point, the discussion is not like, what's the horsepower? What are the zero to six times? It's like, you know, when you pull up in a Ford GT, or you pull up in this Ferrari and people are like, oh man, like what's in that? Like what, you know, V8 to V10 and you're like the twin turbo V6. Yeah. (laughs) It does not feel (laughs) good, man. That's my crossover. (laughs) Yeah. 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 My, yeah. My, my Toyota RAV4 hybrids, a hybrid V6 too. You know, Uh, and it's, I think that's the problem is that's, you know, the shareholders look at this and they, and they basically, I don't know, maybe they don't give a crap about the company or the enthusiasm, but they just say, we can make a hell of a lot more money sending, mm-hmm. you know, building these cars that just cost a lot. Mm-hmm. And then we make a big bonus on charging all these options that these, yeah. you know, people would, ex- they would get in their RAV4 by default. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but- the Apple CarPlay. <laughs> No, no, Ferrari, no, no. Ferrari famously charges. <laughs> yeah, Ferrari famously charges like I think it's it's either two or five grand for CarPlay, which is just <laughs> you know, yeah. You just roll your eyes. You're it like, I'm pretty yeah. sure the new Honda Civic has CarPlay <laughs> by default. You know, but anyways, yeah. I I think it's it just struck me as interesting because when I I was kind of excited when they said they were announcing it. And then when they announced it and I saw what it was and I was like, well, it's a really pretty car, but there's nothing that excites me about a twin turbo V6. I, I just, I, I know that's where we're headed, like for, yeah. because of emissions regulations and, and all this stuff. And it's going to only what, get worse and, because yeah, there'll be an all electric Ferrari that I really well, don't give what, a shit about. Think, <laughs> you know, and the, and the truth is though, like they're going to have to come up with like their own electric sound. They're going to have to patent, yeah. you know, the, what is the sound of the future yeah. for Ferrari? And I think it's, I'm not giving up on it yet. I think some of these companies can create something unique, you yeah. know, that's like, like freaking Darth Vader. Yeah. Just yeah, makes yeah. you feel like Darth Vader's behind your shoulder. <laughs> yeah. So I think there are ways to engage and, um, you know that'll for a different I, generation. They'll be like those those. They sound amazing. So loud, you know. They're like those yeah. are absurd. I like. I'll stick with my Darth Vader. <laughs> yeah, I. You know, I look forward to the the news item where Ferrari hires John Williams for product development. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, well, moving on from the Ferrari, I did want to mention this. Uh, <clears throat> I've I've hit I've 
hit on this a few times on the podcast, you know, yeah. that I'm a huge fan of GTRs and and that the R34 GTR was kind of my holy grail of of the JDM market as it is for yeah. many people and and that the prices of these have just gone insane. And, you know, there was no better example of that, the idea of the, the R34 market being insane than bring a trailer this past week. Uh, there was a Midnight Purple uh, R34 GTR. And Midnight Purple is a very special color. They were, it's a fairly limited uh, production uh, number. But this guy out in Colorado had imported one under show and display laws because the, these don't qualify for the 25-year rule exemption yet. Yeah. And or the only way to get one currently is you have to apply for a show and display permit from the NHTSA, which basically says you can bring this car in. Uh, it doesn't have to be necessarily, quote-unquote, road legal in the U.S., but you're only allowed to drive it 2,500 miles annually. The idea being that these are the types of cars you would take, and as the name would suggest, you take it to a car show, you take mm -hmm. it, you know, to, to various events. And so you shouldn't be putting miles on it. And, yeah. <laughs> and so this is, this is a car that's limited to, to 2,500 miles a year of use. And it sold for $315,187, which perfectly encapsulated where this, where this has gone. <laughs> it's just bananas, man. I, yeah. you know, we've talked about it before. I, I think that there's just a lot of us as human beings coming out of this pandemic that we're just trying to do something different. We're trying to turn over something new in our lives. So that having been through this, everybody's mm -hmm. kind of at least optimistic at this point that we've turned the corner, you know, at least in the United States. And so I think there's this, this hunger mm -hmm. for this. And unfortunately, you know, there's some, you know, supply chain issues, shortages, mm -hmm. and that's like adding blood into the water. And so yeah. people are just going, you know, like they're like great white sharks and they're just losing their minds. And they're going nuts for anything. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. I've, you know, I've, in, I've thought about getting into some bidding on some of the cars I've wanted to do, but I'm, I'm kind of thinking to myself mm -hmm. now, like, I just need to, we just, I just need to sit this out for a while. Yeah, I mean, people calm down and move on to the like the next shiny object. Also, well, you know, it's driving season right now. Mm -hmm. it's people nice want to get out. Them. People want to, you know, drive the cars around, take them to shows like this car, yep. you know, in particular. And so it's just, I think we're at the peak, man. I think maybe yeah. it will continue to go up, but I, I think we're at the peak. And so I think now is not are. a good time. <laughs> yeah, I think we are. I mean, you know, we've talked before about people buying R34s for like 200 grand in Japan and then just storing them until they can legally import them. Yeah. This car, the number is ridiculous. And but it's basically like it, you can have it now. That's the thing. I think in the context <laughs> of the current R34 GTR market, you've yeah. got a car that so it's midnight purple. They only made 282 of those for the 99 model year. So it's a, a rare example of, of the R34 GTR. And then on top of that, it's already in the States. You already yeah, can get no it with a clean title. Yeah. No storage fees. So <laughs> when you start factoring in all those things and you think, okay, if I was someone that had $200,000 to spend on a 20, you know, 21 year old Nissan, would I also have 
$300,000 to spend on a perfect example. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> Probably. And and this is a this is, you know, an inc- it was an incredibly well-kept version of this yeah. car. It only had 40,000 original miles. So I mean, yeah. you, all these factors start coming together and you get this perfect storm and it's on bring a trailer. There's a 10 to 15% like crack. Yeah, there, there's like a 10 to 15% charge yeah, above normal market value because bring a trailer just everything sells yeah. for more money than it should and, on and if you get two things. people like i've seen and, i've seen you know auctions that go a little bit under mm-hmm. and it's probably because it was you know i don't know january and the people right people didn't see attention. it or whatever yeah, yeah the right person was on vacation mm-hmm. but man you get you get something like this and you get two people that are hungry and both of them have a mindset of like f it i yeah. want this car well, and it's, it's like, like a good night. It's, it's <laughs> like I've said. It's like I've said before. Matt Matt Farah, the the host of Smoking Tire, who owns a, a a basically a car storage facility in L.A., he said that some of his <laughs> clients, who are literally billionaires, go on BAT and they just if they see something they want, doesn't matter how high wow. it gets bid up, they just they're like, I want that thing and. Money doesn't matter to me, so I'm just going to bid until I win. So you never know who's on the other side of that keyboard. So if you get into a bidding war with somebody. Freaks me out. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you could be bidding against a guy in a similar position of you that has a hard budget number that they're not going to go above. Or you could be bidding against a billionaire who's bored and thinks that that car looks cool. (laughs) Unlimited funds. It's a little bit terrifying, you know, because... It's, you know, it's kind of soul crushing when something gets on and you're like, oh, that's it. You know, that's the one that's <laughs> and the it's one. like very quickly surpasses what you're comfortable with. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The problem is it's also the one to the guy that has way more money. Than you. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. So, I, I just thought that, you know, this was, yeah, it was funny because I saw this when it went up the first day it went up and yeah. it very quickly got bid up to like 200 grand. And everyone in the comments is like, oh, shit, this is going to be crazy. Like, <laughs> you know, you some, sometimes I, I would never do this, but sometimes I'm tempted when like one of those goes up to just be like 100,000. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> you know it's you're not going to win. So yeah, you like, know no you're risk. not going to win, but, you know, yeah. just to poke the bears. And then, you're just, <laughs> then you're just done. They never see you in the bidding again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I know. It's. It it'll be interesting, man. I'm really curious to see where, you know, we've talked before about the used car market. We talked just last week about it um, at some length, but I'm curious to see if this trend continues and particularly past 2024 when these can be legally imported. Um, mm. If there's like a flood of people that all of a sudden are are selling them because they know the market's opened up, or if if the numbers just keep getting crazier, because at a certain point. As cool as these cars are, and as much nostalgia as I have for them, like I couldn't a Nissan no, GTR, whatever, whatever version, is not a. It's no. to me, it's just it's not a two hundred thousand dollar car. Like uh, that's crazy. I think when you get in it and you start driving it and interacting with it, obviously the yeah. driving experience is pretty exciting. But then you remind yourself, like, what did I? No, I mean, you look at the interior and it's like <laughs> plastic dashboard, plastic switch gear shitty yeah. cloth seats like it's not a <laughs> the, you you're know like, you're what are this? yeah i mean you're that's the thing is you like i get into my 911 and i'm like yeah 
I see where the money goes. It's yeah, it's it feels it's a lot of money, but I'm like everything feels nice. It's you know you you see the value to some degree as much as you can see the value in that in an expensive car. But you know, for a GTR, it's like I would get in and I'd be like, well, this reminds me of my '96 Integra in a way. Like it's it's everything's kind of plastic. (laughs) That's what I mean. Yeah. My guess is that's going to peak at some point, you know. I think it'd be shortly thereafter, you know, once like you can begin to implement and maybe they become a little bit more common and it just drives the price down. Yeah. People move on to the next shiny object, you know. I think so. There's going to be super rare examples that are going to hold their value, like the V Spec 2s and the the M Spec and the R33 400R, like super rare limited edition stuff like that'll hold but like mm. you know they made a lot of r32s and r33s and r34s they made a lot of them they weren't a super limited edition car yeah so if you have one of those that's kind of like a quote-unquote normal gtr the values of those can't just keep going up it just yeah. doesn't make any sense so well like we've talked before i think you know it's a generational thing to yeah. some extent. I was talking with somebody a while ago about the BMW 2002 and just reflecting on the fact that that's like one of the biggest automotive clubs on the planet. Yeah. And so there's a, a lot of heritage behind that um, mm-hmm. brand identity, you know, and so that's something that maybe can carry the torch a little bit longer in terms of yeah. values, whereas these are pretty kind of specific to a group of people and a group of people yeah. within a generation. So. I, I think if I talk about a Nissan GTR to someone in their fifties and sixties, they would be like, what? No idea. And if I talk about a Nissan GTR to someone <laughs> in their twenties, <laughs> yeah. If I talk about it to someone in their twenties, like early twenties, they know it as like the modern, the R35 GTR. They may not even yeah. know much unless they're really a car person about the yeah, like the, the GDM only ones. Yeah. You yeah. know, it's it's really a sweet spot of people in their late twenties to probably mid mid forties, late forties that played the you know Gran Turismo growing up that saw yeah. you know Fast and Furious. You know, Paul Walker famously the hero car was an R34 yeah. GTR, and then uh, they went on to make money. And then they went on. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Speaking of, we saw the new Fast and Furious this weekend. And oh, it okay, has, I haven't seen it yet. It has jumped the shark. It is so fucking Oh, God. It I, is, I mean, it, 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 I mean it's, it's as an action movie, it's fine. <laughs> but I just, as we were driving home, I told my wife, I said, you know, I really hope they do like a prequel or reboot or something where they actually focus on the cars again. Because it's just gotten so silly. Uh, yeah, but anyway, I mean, and, and invariably that's where it was going to end up, you know, trying yeah. to out. Anyways, it's just ridiculous. But anyways, we'll be back next week with some uh, recap of the Austrian GP and maybe some more news items. But I just thought that those were, you know, we got to talk about a new Ferrari. It's a new Ferrari. And yeah. And then, you know, this, the, the R34 was a perfect example to me of our, our discussion, our continuing discussion about how crazy the used car market is. <laughs> you know, and maybe we just need to dedicate a little time every other week to, you know, keeping, cause we're obviously both of us are always on bring a trailer. Yeah, pretty much. So we should just like <laughs> highlight some of the shenanigans that go on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Some of the more ridiculous sales. <laughs> Yeah. All right. Well, thank you all for listening. Uh, 
please, you know, don't forget to rate and review us on wherever you get your podcasts and uh, check out our Instagram, Blow Off Valve Podcast, uh, for any show updates or uh, a good place to interact with us, ask us questions. And uh, until then, we'll see you next week.